for nine years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And 30 years of Rosie on the House. Welcome to the 10 o'clock hour here at Rosie on the House, the fourth and final hour of our weekly broadcast. And this is where we talk specifically about one element of your home castle or cabin. Starting uh, last year, when we started publishing our home maintenance calendars, we picked one topic to cover the whole month. And if you've got your home maintenance calendar up or you've been listening and tuned in the last couple weeks, you know we've been talking about plumbing all month long. Different angles, different aspects, water heaters, the supply side of plumbing, the drain line of plumbing. We've talked uh, about rebuilding your own cartridges and your faucets. And we've got Isley's Home Services in here with us today. We've got George Cathy, the general manager, the service Uh, manager. Service manager. Service manager manager to talk about uh, things you can do to uh, help keep the need for a plumber to show up at your home. Just silly things that we do day in and day out without thinking about it that yep. uh who would have thought potato peels and your and your garbage disposal uh could cost you a couple hundred dollars on a, a replacement and clean out but before we get into all that george how'd you break into the trades uh i got my first taste of it um there's a close family friend of mine's uh of, a, of the family back in california and he had his own his own contracting business um so I would go out him during the summer and help him dig trenches and dig water lines and all that type of stuff. So that's where I got my first taste of it. Then I went and got other types of jobs and realized that I really liked working with my hands. So then I went to a trade school uh, in Long Beach, California, graduated from there. Uh, shortly after, I moved out here, kind of started in the new construction remodeling. Uh, from there, transitioned into service work. I uh, worked for a couple of service companies here in the Valley. And just kind of moved up from there, you know, went from a service tech to a supervisor to now service manager. No denying the shortage of labor that we face. And one of the hard things that I see is everyone's competing for labor. You've exactly. got the Farm Bureau compete, competing for labor, the need for manual labor. You've got the Carpenters Union competing for manual labor. All the different industries in construction. You've got mechanics competing for exactly. <laughs> trade labor. There, there needs to be a combined central effort uh, of all these different industries that require that the computers can't replace. For sure. Uh, to really educate people out there that there are great careers available in trade in labor in craftsmanship and you can make a good living at it absolutely and, the, and these jobs can't be outsourced so there's always a need for them and right now there's a incredible shortage i mean we have a very hard time attracting good talent so anybody that has a good solid because because yeah. good talents already getting paid pretty good and they're not incentivized <laughs> to move <laughs> exactly exactly and you still have to be competitive as a plumber it's good living but you're not making a quarter million dollars a year either. <laughs> no, it's, it's a comfortable living, yeah, for sure. So it's anyone that's worth their weight has a good job. Yeah. And exactly. those owners are motivated to keep them because they know how detrimental it would be to try and go and replace a good, skilled tradesman. Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, just anybody with good work, work ethic. You know, work ethic, because you, you can learn it. <laughs> exactly. Just showing up, being on time, um, and just being willing to put in a – Good hard day's work. That's really all it takes. 
So where would you point somebody? You'd mentioned trade school, somebody coming out of out of high school. Where would you direct them to getting started? I mean, I know, like you said, if you've got a good work ethic, you can get on the job training in a lot of places. Just... For sure. And it, it was 10, 11, 12 years ago when I went to trade school. I think now there's a, such a high need that, again, if you have good work ethic, you can show up to pretty much any contractor that needs help, and they'll be willing to give you a shot, and you can learn on the job and get paid while you're learning instead of paying to learn. <laughs> <laughs> and oftentimes for uh, a return on your education investment that's you may never get back. <laughs> exactly. All right, so uh, you put together a list of things that we as homeowners can do to help uh, help our plumbing system to avoid the need for having a, a, a service call. Yeah. Uh, some of the the most common problems we see is just drain clogs. A lot of them can be prevented just by the homeowner being aware of what they're doing and just taking a little bit of precaution. Um, I mean, the first and most obvious is not to pour anything greasy, oily, uh, any type of shortening or anything like that down the drains. Now, what happens if I have something greasy on my plate? You should try to get as much of it off as, as you can, but... It, it's always going to be some residue left. If you do, um, go ahead and wash the dishes normal. What you don't want to do, put anything like potato skins, rice, pasta, or anything like that down the garbage disposal just because they're tough and they're starchy, and sometimes they'll make it past the garbage disposal only to get down the drain a little bit further and clog up there. A couple years of buildup in the drain, it doesn't take uh – something big to get clogged to clog that drain line <laughs> no not at all especially the little small drains underneath the sink you want to stay away from anything that's hard such as seeds or bones or anything stringy or fibrous like celery i mean those are things you want to keep out the garbage disposal and to kind of answer your question if you do have anything greasy going down the garbage disposal you typically want to run cold water and it's kind of counterintuitive you would think that you would think hot water. You would yeah. think hot water, right? Well, the hot water is going to make that fat liquid. And then once it gets further down the drain, it will solidify, and then you're going to have a problem further away. If you use cold water, the concept is that that fat or grease will stay solid where it can be carried away by the water out to the city sewer where it won't cause you any issues. That is very counterintuitive, and I I do <laughs> I will change that habit today. <laughs> You've also got uh, liquid detergent. You, you guys like that over the powdered? Yes, yeah, something that we see in the theory is that because our water is so hard that detergent soaps have a hard time dissolving. So especially those little convenient pots, even though they're very convenient, because they have that clumping agent in it that makes it into a pot, once it gets down the drain, it clumps right back together because <laughs> it didn't dissolve. So if you have any low spots in the drain, any sharp turns, it's going to collect right there, and over time, it's going to eventually lead to a stoppage. All right, so I've got nothing down the garbage disposal <laughs> <laughs> other than water. Uh, change my soap from uh, from powder to powder liquid. to liquid. Uh, and while we're talking liquids down the drain, are you you guys a fan of like uh, like uh, liquid drain, drain, drain cleaner? Yeah, uh, not really. I haven't really seen it be effective. What it usually does is makes our job harder and <laughs> makes us have to wear more safety equipment in order to not get it in our eyes or yeah. on our face or on our hands. 
Um, I've, I've, the only plumbers I know that endorse it are the ones that you see talking about it on TV that, you know, are just probably paid actors. <laughs> exactly. Probably never had to actually clear a drain. <laughs> Let's see. Some uh, other things are being careful what you flush down the toilet. A lot of people flush paper towels, Kleenex, um, those wet wipes. And even the ones that say flushable? They're flushable. They'll go down the They'll toilet. Down. It's just what happens after that that is where the issue starts. <laughs> we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where the water test. Take out uh, toilet paper and a Kleenex to your back patio. Put it on the concrete. Pour water on it and see which one you can pick up. You know, the toilet paper immediately starts to disintegrate. And you don't want to put anything down your toilet that doesn't do that. Exactly. And that's exactly what happens. It gets caught up on something that's a minor imperfection that normally wouldn't be an issue if it was only toilet paper. But if it's paper towels or, or something that's designed to hold up under moisture, it's just going to pile up and create a problem. When we're talking about protecting what's going down the drain, um, for our showers, you know, obviously a lot of a lot of hair build up <laughs> and I'm trying not to get too gross is about the time a lot of people start moving to their brunch and <laughs> they sell them in the grocery stores you see them at hardware stores uh the big box stores just those little screens those strainers that you can just throw over the drain and try to catch some of that hair that could prevent you know your tub or your shower from from getting clogged that that is a gag reflex that I still have is cleaning a drain that pulling out a big club of hair because <laughs> it's not just the hair but it collects everything the soaps the shampoos the uh, shaving cream the whatever that we use that gets washed down there and it's just uh, it it's like uh, it's like a time capsule it just shows you know everything. <laughs> <laughs> and. And who's the guy that does all the scary movies? Stephen King? Stephen King, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, what you can pull out of your drains, got yeah. Stephen King doesn't have anything <laughs> uh, on any of his scary movies. All he needed to do was empty his drain, and he could have come up with something scarier. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, the last thing is uh, are the aerators and our faucets and shower heads. It's amazing what keeping those clean will do for the pressure in your home. Yeah, we, that's a pretty common one, um, and it's easily rectified. A lot of people call in and say, hey, I don't have any pressure in my shower. I don't have any pressure in my faucet. We get there. We take the aerator off. It's just a little screen back there that catches sediment, and we rinse it out and put it back on, and everything works like new. So I would encourage all the listeners to become familiar with what an aerator is and how to take it off and just periodically clean it out. And we drop, I drop ours into a little just cup of vinegar and leave it for a couple of days, take it out, scrub it. Uh, yeah. That's, is that? that? That's all good. Idea. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to put it in like CLR or anything like that, or that's really uh, caustic, especially if you have a special finish on it, like the brush nickels or the bronze colors, because they can't eat that finish off. But vinegar is usually mild enough that it won't cause any damage to the to the finish. All right, so there's our list of things that you can do simply as a homeowner to avoid uh, needing a service call. We've got some uh, interesting things coming up in the next segment, just some milestones in plumbing. Yes, there was milestones in the development of our plumbing systems. We don't think <laughs> about it. We take it for granted because it's it, – it's, unless, uh, unless it's broken. I mean, the water's at the faucet and it carries down the drain. 
how much time do you spend thinking about it past that? But there's a lot of there's a huge industry behind this that spends a lot of time thinking about it, and uh, just some of those developments that uh, have come over the course of time here at Rosie on the House with Isley's Home Services. The last of our plumbing broadcasts for this month. Uh, we go into universal design into March. Right now, we're talking about milestones that have come along in the plumbing world. And really, I got to start with how much less water we use. The water saving devices, um, reduced flow. I mean, you had mentioned you came over from California. You're very familiar with the water problems there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, it, we don't have. Uh, lawns we can still water all of our lawns there's times in california you can go through there and there's great green lawns and you can go through other times and it looks like uh this is an abandoned neighborhood <laughs> that nobody's exactly. lived in for uh, <laughs> 10 years but it's just because all the water uh, the restrictions and if we don't control our water use as homeowners those regulations are just going to have to come because the you know the water reservoir when it hits a certain depth in Lake Mead, then restrictions start to come in, and as it drops, more restrictions come in. So the best thing we can do is be smart and conserve our water use. And you know, it, a lot of water's just gone goes right down our drain. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, some of the most obvious things are shower heads, faucets. They've come out with uh, a lot of shower heads that can go down to 1.5 gallons per minute. Um, they go up to about 2.5 gallons per minute, but you really don't see much difference. It's incredible how they've engineered the shower heads to still give a good forceful shower, you know, with this, with a small amount or a lower flow rate. And for me immediately, I'm thinking that's easily six, seven gallons a day. I mean, I, there, there is just two minutes, especially on those cold mornings. You get up and it's dark outside. It might be two or three minutes I stand there just enjoying the hot water <laughs> before <laughs> before I get on with cleaning up. And, you know, that's right right there. There's five gallons uh, minimum saved right there just by switching shower heads. Exactly. And that's one of the benefits of switching to a lower gallon per minute shower head is you get to take a longer shower because it's not draining your water heater as fast. That's a great point because we have – there's five people and six people in our home – um, one teenage daughter, at one point we'll have three teenage daughters down the road when they all get to that age. Uh, so just for what you said right there, getting more out of your water heater and expanding uh, the use of that, that's – I hope they're not listening because they're going to be mad if I don't come home with <laughs> 1.5 gallon shower heads for today. Uh, other things are toilets. Toilets have gone down from 5 to 7 gallons per flush. All the way down to 1.6, 1.28 is the most common. There's even a few on the market that are one gallon per flush. Um, I know when they were first introduced years ago that they didn't work that great, and there's still a lot of homeowners out there that are skeptic of switching. They still have these 30-year-old toilets in there, and they don't want to switch because they what think they've the heard. Are, exactly. You've got to flush it five times. You're wasting water because it doesn't work. You got to. Yeah, you flush it three times. You <laughs> use the same amount of water. Might as well keep them on the toilet, but. The toilets that are out now have been engineered to work great. Technology's I mean, coming exactly. Up. They work just as good, in some instances, better than those old toilets. And, and you're talking about the two flush toilets. You you have uh, one flush for 
Yep, no uh, liquid. And for liquid and one for solid. That exactly. Was, uh-huh. The amount of water that we use that just goes down the drain waiting for the hot water to get to our shower head or our kitchen sink. There's uh, new methods that we have of delivering that hot water without wasting the cold water that's in that line. That doesn't seem like enough, but you multiply that by 3 million homes. I mean, we're, we're talking lots of gallons Ends here. Ends up being a lot, yeah. Um, you have recirculating pumps. If you're fortunate enough to have a house that's pre-plumbed with a re- return line or a hot water return line, that, that's ideal. That's the best way to go. If you don't, there's retrofit um, recirc pumps that you can install. They're very simple. There's just a little T that goes underneath the sink. You hook the pump up to the water heater. You plug it in, and all you have to do at that point is wait. There's even timers. You can set the timers for certain times of day. Uh, if you're not going to be home all day, there's no need to have the pump running. If you know you take your shower at the same time every morning and you do the laundry at the same time every evening, you can have the pump running at that time so that the hot water is available and there's less waste. We have the National Hardware Show coming up in a couple months <clears throat> in Las Vegas. It's, it's usually in May. And the amount of money that goes into the displays from Kohler, from American Standard, Delta, Moen. I mean, these guys all have like 40 by 40 booths. I've, I've seen reports sometimes they'll spend up to $2 million just on their exhibit display. And you would think, well, what, what could they possibly have? But every year they're all competing to bring the, the newest innovation in water delivery, water reduction, uh, to the market and be the first to have it or do it better than the other guy. <laughs> exactly. Talk about the epoxy lining for sewer lines. That's pretty neat. That is. It's good for people that have like very extensive landscapes or a lot of concrete or pavers that they don't want to disturb if they have a sewer issue. It can be done by just digging a couple of potholes you know, on either side of the sewer line. Pretty much the way it works is, if you can imagine like a sock, and they take this sock and they with a big balloon and they blow it down the pipe, put an epoxy on it and it hardens it sets right there in place there's no digging involved except for the little potholes on either end and that's pretty much it and it can save a lot of collateral damage and where this is used if we need to replace an old sewer line Mm -hmm. instead of doing that we can line it with epoxy and get a lot longer life out of it. I mean you know it's pretty darn tough it's pretty strong (laughs) stuff yes it is it's good for like root intrusions pipes that are just rough and, and jagged on the inside and you want to smooth it out it's not going to fix a break if the pipe is broken and misaligned it's not going to take care of anything like that but there's definitely applications it's a good option our plumbing hour with george kathy of isley's home services here at rosie on the house Continuing our conversation with George Cathy of Isley's Home Services, you are kind of wrapping up our plumbing month here at Rosie on the House. And as we talk about the topic of plumbing, it stimulates a lot of questions and uh, we've received a bunch. So we're just going to go through the most popular questions here that have been asked in this plumbing month and uh, let you answer them. Then we'll take all that, transcribe it, put it into our do-it-yourself database at rosieonthehouse.com and just help build out our entire uh, network of uh, knowledge and information that goes into our website that can be used during the week because if you have a plumbing question well a lot of times you can't always wait till a saturday to get answered well that's where you would just go to rosieonthehouse.com select homeowner resources do-it-yourself database and it's broken down by category and we'll start with water heaters the one thing we hardly spent any time i don't in fact i uh really acknowledging or covering is solar water heaters 
pretty uh, irrelevant in our opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if, if you get a good return on investment for, for what they cost. They don't heat the water any better, any faster, or any worse than a, than a electric or gas water heater. So, a lot more line to break, a lot more uh, maintenance. It's If you're going to go solar, go solar for the power supply. Exactly. Use that power supply to heat your tanked water heater, your traditional water heater. That, that would make a lot more sense. It'd be a lot more cost effective. The lifespan of a, a solar water heater, it's not going to last any longer than a traditional water heater. So solar water heaters, kind of a, you know, it's one of those things that there could be an aha invention. Somebody could revolutionize it, find a new way, and it, there's there's a chance that at some point it could be something that makes itself relevant again. Yep. Uh, just right now, we're not in the, the point where... Yeah, and, it's just not there yet. And the efficiency that the new water heaters are built with and uh, and how they heat it and the insulation value and retaining the heat inside, it's, it's a hard sell. Exactly. I agree. Broken handle on the toilet. That one's pretty easy. Usually what happens is people go, you know, walk up to the toilet, they hit the lever, nothing happens. It could be the, the handle itself broke. It could be the chain on the flapper. The easiest thing to do is just take the lid off, take a look in there, and, and see what's going on. Sometimes the handle isn't adjusted right. You have to hold the handle down in order to make the toilet flush. I mean, these are all minor adjustments that if you just take the time to take a look in there, a lot of times it's obvious that there's too much slack on the chain, the t- chain's too long, too short. Whatever the case, just make those adjustments, it, and it should work just fine. It's one of those situations that can cause panic, but you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you really don't need – because you can manually do it. If the chain's broken or if the handle's broken, if the extension rod's broken, you can still manually flush it and then uh, worry about fixing it later. Or if you do need to buy a replacement part, you just – And if you do attempt to replace it yourself, just remember that those threads on those toilet handles are reversed. I've seen a lot of people crack their tank from <laughs> turning it the wrong way and you can keep tightening it until it cracks. So remember the threads are reversed, so you have to go the opposite. Instead of lefty, loosey, righty, tighty, it's the opposite It's of that. the opposite. <laughs> and to manually flush it, all the user would have to do is... You stick your hand in there. It's clean water, so <laughs> no need to worry. You stick your hand in there, you grab the flapper, you lift it up, and the water will go down. Now, the water that gets into the tank of the toilet is the same water that's coming out your kitchen sink or your bathroom faucet. It's Exactly. It's the same water supply line. So it's And in the tank, before it goes to the bowl, <laughs> it's just as clean. Yeah, it's clean. <laughs> so just pick up that rubber flap. Uh, on that rubber flap, uh, it, you know, the water will drain just as normal. And at that point, you, you have the option you can turn the water supply off. Uh, leave the lid over the top of the toilet just to indicate to anyone else coming that it's out of, out of service. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got something. These waterless urinals. Okay. Do y'all install them in homes uh, for people that are looking to save water? I haven't seen a lot of urinals in homes. I, I have seen it. It's not. It's very, very rare. Um, we do install them in commercial applications. And the way it works is just a cartridge that goes inside of it. And it comes with a, a chemical that you put inside the cartridge. The best way I can explain it is it's kind of like oily and it sits on top of the water. And that's what keeps the odor down. So, you know, if someone uses the urinal, it kind of creates a barrier so that the smell, sewer gases. Goes down the drain, doesn't use any water. Yep, exactly. And all it does is just keeps the stink out. 
<laughs> That's important. <laughs> and I, I don't see those being popular in homes where it's uh, it might be a, a Jack and Jill bathroom. You know, if you've got a master bathroom where you've got a his and her side, I could see maybe you would start seeing those in some big customs. But man, it's just it's not attractive. Yeah, it's, I think I've seen it <laughs> twice ever, and, and it is a really big custom home, like you said. Yeah. The angle was the waterless part. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that. That's what the was fascinating to me because yeah. I've seen quite a few of those. I figured maybe I don't know maybe that Randy Johnson house probably, <laughs> probably had one or two of them next to the gym. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> toilets that run. You flush it and it just seems to sound like it runs forever. It could be a couple of causes. To, uh, it could be a flapper, like we talked about earlier. Uh, if the flappers get warped, which is usually caused by those tablets that people put into the tank to try to keep the toilet flushed, the little chlorine tablets or turns the blue, it blue dye or turns whatever. It blue. Yeah, those things ruin rubber pretty quick. So it can warp the flapper and let water go down. As the water is draining out of the tank, the toilet fill valve kicks on and wants to refill it. Um, another thing is if the, uh, the fill valve is failing to shut off for that reason, it's stuck. It will, there's a piece of sediment in there that's keeping it from closing. The water level can rise and overflow down the, the overflow tube. If you lift the lid up, you'll see a little tube, and it's, it's pretty much to catch the overflow water. So those are the two most common causes of a running toilet. And then when the valves shut off, whether it's to a toilet or a uh, shower head, faucet, washing machine, any water-using appliance, uh, other than probably your ice maker, <laughs> that clank that you hear a lot of times. Uh, the water hammer, that's, it's most common on what we call fast-acting valves. A toilet is a fast-acting valve because they usually fill up and shut off pretty quick and you get a hammering sound. Uh, faucets, if you slam the handle close, or showers, if you have the kind of you push and pull, if you push them in to close them and they shut real fast, it can make a hammering sound. Um there's a couple of things you can do that, about that. You can try to add uh, hammer arresters on the fixture or, or near the fixture. Um, sometimes it could be a loose pipe. That one may take a little bit of exploring for someone to go around and see what pipe is banging around if it needs to be strapped down. This is an unpleasant one. Is there anything we do about the drain sound for a two-story home? You know, if and, and that I have been in those situations where you're in a two-story home Someone uses the toilet or the shower, and everyone and it's like everyone else in the entire home knows what you're doing. You can hear the water traveling over your head, coming down the wall. Is there any way to insulate or uh, muffle that? That's a tough one. Turn up um, your music. Yeah. <laughs> Insulation is definitely worth trying. Um, what we did when I was doing new construction is any vertical rises that was on a two-story house like that, we would use cast iron because it's a lot quieter than the plastic pipes and it kind of tends to keep the sound down but a lot of people especially in track homes where you're saving every cost you can that's that's pvc the whole way exactly it could be a hard one it could be expensive to cut open the drywall and insulate it oh yeah it it may be something that pumps the foam so so that may be a tip if you're home shopping and it's two-story have somebody stay downstairs while somebody <laughs> flushes the upstairs and just see how that drain system is configured. And uh, 
you're probably cheapest just installing some kind of indoor water feature. Yeah. <laughs> that has like a, a trickling <laughs> sound, the sound in the corner. <laughs> a little white just noise to muffle take that. Take your mind off of the other sound. <laughs> now, I've got to ask you this. and When we're talking new installs, copper versus PEX, I'm, what, what y'all's preference? What have you seen? They both have their, their benefits. I'm, I'm more of a – I prefer copper just because – it's been proven. It's it's been around a long time. PEX has applications for if someone has a, a slab leak and you need to reroute a new water line. PEX is is very good for that. Um, it does have insulating qualities of it. It, it is a little bit quieter than copper because sometimes you can hear the water lines running, or you can hear water running in the walls and copper pipes. PEX tends to be a little bit quieter. Um, it's more resistant to freezing. You're sold one way or the other. I don't know if I'm sold one way or the other. Pex is a lot easier and quicker to install and retrofit. If I was to build a house from the ground up, I would put copper in my house. And designed well, you can get the same kind of pressure that Pex is designed to give you, the way there's no angles or corners in Pex. It's supposed to keep a good, strong flow of water pressure, where you end up, in some cases, with a lot of little angles for copper. Exactly. That's poorly designed. Well, every bend just is a water reduction point. Exactly. And and that's a, one of the benefits of PEX. You can eliminate a lot of joints, and most of the leaks happen at joints, so if you can cut down on the amount of joints you have, you can cut down on the, the potential for leaks. Now, when we're doing those uh, retrofits, this question comes in all the time is we see them run in attics that don't then get the lines insulated, and homeowners are stuck all summer long without getting cold water or just wasting a ton of water waiting for the water that's underneath the street coming in from the city. But that, that, I don't know how many gallons of water that fills up to the pipe supply line. That's a lot of wasted water. Yeah, our water lines out here are, are pretty shallow compared to other parts of the country, so it can pick up a lot of heat. And pipes running in the attic as well, so if you have lines in the attic and you're having a hard time getting cold water definitely look into getting those lines insulated in my house i refer to that as solar heating yeah. during the summer <laughs> it's, it's it's beneficial but man we've got longer summers than we do winters exactly <laughs> that's that's another area for um i i, I see innovation because that can be an expensive task uh, to get up there and insulate. In a lot of cases, especially when we're talking about PEX lines that have these arcs and everything, filling up the entire attic with insulation isn't practical either. That's very counterintuitive, especially if you've got mechanical equipment. There's there's room for innovation, and in, we've got water heaters. Water chillers. Water chillers. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought about that. I just have to come up with a way to invent it. <laughs> the, the invent it, getting it to market, and making it uh, – Price point match, the, meeting the market demand, because it's more expensive to cool it and keep it cool, but people are going to have it in their mind that it should be relatively close to the same cost as a water heater. So it's going to be yeah. – <laughs> but that, there's there's room for innovation here. <laughs> All right, we've got uh, one final segment coming up with uh, Mr. George Cathley of Isley's Home Services, a Rosie on the House partner for the last couple of years, but y'all have been servicing Arizona homeowners for over 60 years. Yep, since 1957. Ni- 1957. That's one thing we love about our network is the longevity of – 
of the partners, the average lifespan. I've, I haven't finished calculating this, but the average life of uh, years in business that our partners are is over 20 years. So we're, That's a really good track record. <laughs> <laughs> it's all here at Rosie on the House. We're going to spend our last segment here with Mr. George Cathy of Isley's Home Services talking about things you may not know about a plumber, aside from the fact uh, contortionist, yep. you can probably be add to your resume, uh, <laughs> inventive, <laughs> uh, problem solver. Uh, the plumbing license comes with gas fitting. Not necessarily. There is a separate title, and you do have to take a separate test in order to be licensed for it. Um, they kind of do run one in the same, though. If you take them both at the same time, it falls under the same category in so many ways. Well, what services does that allow you to provide the homeowner? Pretty much it allows us to work on anything that is natural gas or propane gas. Um, that could be appliances from uh, gas furnaces, stoves, barbecue grills, uh, pool heaters, fire pits, and anything else you can think of in between. And to do all that, it's a completely... A separate set of tools. If you're, uh, you're threading machines and it's you know, a, it's a it's, galvanized and <laughs> it's pretty labor intensive at times. Yeah, you do have to have pipe threaders and, and heavy machine, heavy equipment, heavy pipe wrenches, things like that. In your trade school, you said the test was you can take it at the same time. In the trade school, do they teach that as well, or is that a separate? Uh, yeah, they teach that as well. It's all. Loop it all falls into the up. same code book. There is a separate fuel code, but the fuel code is kind of blended in with the, the plumbing code as well. So if you learn one, you usually learn both of them. And I don't know. I'm sure there's a reason why they've lumped those two trades together because you would think they're kind of different or it's because it's all piping. They they tied it together. Well, why doesn't that include a landscape license then? You could probably glue <laughs> some sprinklers together. I think it's because <laughs> it's all pipe. That's, that's my best guess. So landscape <laughs> should be included in that is what I'm saying. Sure. <laughs> and y'all do get into landscaping when we're, ta- when we're ripping up plumbing lines. Uh, yeah, we will. If we are doing a uh, sewer line repair or water line repair, and we happen to hit a sprinkler or something like that that needs to be fixed, we will do that. We don't necessarily install or repair sprinkler pipes unless it has to do with plumbing. We're I guess where I was going is more like uh, the an additional skill. A lot of these uh, lines that we're digging, we're digging up landscape. We're using tractors and heavy equipment. It's yes. not three guys out there with a shovel like it's gotcha. 1,500. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see we're going, yeah, I guess you can call us landscapers as well. <laughs> When you're talking gas appliances, uh, do you see you know, gas versus electric? Do, do you have a preference? I have a personal preference of gas, especially for, for stoves, for cooking. I just feel like you get a better control of the the temperature. You turn it down and it's down. Sometimes with the electric ones, it seems like it doesn't react fast enough if you're trying to turn the heat up and down. And it also is the, the number one request when people want – a gas line installed is usually for stove. the stove. That's yeah. what they call in for more often than anything else. A lot of people don't understand exactly what goes into that. They think it's going to be easy. I'll have a pipe right there. You could just tie in, drop it down, and we're done. Um, what they don't realize is in most of the, the track homes around here, those pipes are sized pretty tight. They don't leave, leave a lot of room for you to add anything extra. So. We usually have to go out there and evaluate the size of the pipes they have now, the distance of the run, how many BTUs, 
um, total is on that system. Then from there, we have to determine what size the pipe needs to be. Calculate your estimated use. You've got to be able to supply enough for what you're using it for. And, uh, you, If you've been to like a Monarch or a Barbecue World, uh, you can see that not all, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not all gas use appliances are made equal. And they may have sized it for something a little smaller than you intend to be cooking or using in your home. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes we have to modify the existing gas line, make that bigger so that it can accommodate the new appliance that we're trying to add. And then there's permits and inspections. And if we're tying into an existing gas line, that may mean the homeowner may be without heating or a stove or a water heater for a couple of days until the inspection is complete and everything's done. And you make a great point on the permits. You're one of the few service industries that can get delayed. You know, people think, well, you know, they, this can get done today. Why can't I have this done today? Well, there's permitting involved, uh, electrical work, there's permitting involved. A lot of times the, the repair work that comes with air conditioning units, man, it's, yep. th- that, that can be done and gone in the same day. That seems like a much more complicated mechanical thing. How come I can get that re- a new air conditioning compressor today, but I, I, a water heater, I need a permit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's one time that uh, I went to a customer's house. They wanted a, a gas line installed. It to run it down the side of the house to a pool heater. We went down to get the permit. The city says, no, you can't do that. That's the city easement. You can't run anything right there. And we would have no way of knowing that had we not gone through the process of trying to get the permit. We would have been digging somewhere we shouldn't have been digging the aftermath of that the long-term effect that you're putting yourself at risk should something happen to that gas line if they can trace it back to the company that installed it that they did this without a permit and against city code exactly well guess who they're coming for to to pay for the financial uh (laughs) damages whatever that caused so Mr. George Carey, how would uh, we've got through the whole hour? I don't even think I've given the number once. It's Isley's Home Services. Y'all have been around sixty plus years yep. out in the Gilbert Chandler Southeast area, but uh, have a good travel radius and capacity to service our Arizona homeowners. Yep, we pretty much go all the way up to to Anthem. Uh, we go out west to Buckeye. We go out east to Gold Canyon, south all the way down to Maricopa, even Arizona City if we have to. Well, we appreciate y'all's partnership and being every Arizona homeowner's best friend and joining us today to wrap up our plumbing education here at Rosie on the House. And until uh, next Saturday when we move into Universal Design, we're thankful for the God above you, those beside you, and the life before you.